the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Weekday evenings on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. It's 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. Host Daryl Wood brings you the day's news and trending topics as only he can with a unique blend of conservative opinion, constitutionalism, and thought-provoking analysis. Join the conversation. 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. A daily look at the news in a way you won't hear anywhere else. Tune in to 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. Or stream at PatriotDetroit.com. You are in, in what part of the country? <laughs> Southwest Colorado. Wonderful. How are you picking us up? Oh, I stream you guys on my uh, iPhone every day. Fantastic. Um, I, I am a resident of Sterling Heights, but uh, I frequently come to Southwest Colorado. I am just thrilled to be hearing from you out there in Colorado. Continue to listen, tune in again, and call at your earliest convenience. Godspeed. Run to Win with Daryl Wood, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. on Faith Talk Detroit. Welcome to the Jewish Hour. I'm your host, Herschel Finman. We've got a great show for you today. We're going to mix things up a little bit. Instead of the the interview being first, interview is going to be at the bottom of the hour. We are going to be interviewing David May, who is a research analyst for the Foundation of Defense Democracies. Democracies. We're going to be talking about the Ben and Jerry boycott, and which is uh, all over the Jewish media, and but. Generally, not out there. I guess people don't really care a whole lot about ice cream. So we've got music, wonderful music all the way, hand-picked. We've got a really, really awesome, like, Klezmer song. Whoa. Anyway, the portion of the week, which we'll discuss in this half hour, maybe the end of the, the, end of the show, towards the portion of Akev, which can be found in the portion of Deuteronomy. We have a pretty, pretty cool story all the way at the end. You want to stay for all the way for that. But before we do anything else, let's go right to the news. <laughs> Corona is back, if back up in Israel. More than a thousand cases a day were reported this week. Arabs threw rocks at a Jerusalem police hours before Jews were allowed to pray at the Temple Mount in honor of Tisha B'Av, which was last Sunday. Police quickly dispersed the crowd. The Arab town of Huwara in Samaria was the scene of two terrorist incidents. A rabbi's car was attacked, he escaped injury, and three teens escaped a lynch mob with little injury. Two rockets were fired from Lebanon towards Israeli territory. Air defense fighters intercepted one rocket. The second rocket exploded in an open field. The IDF arrested two people who had crossed into Israel from Lebanon, and they are being interrogated. 
Israel imposed a building freeze in Judea and Samaria following pressure from the Biden administration. And this story is going to warrant some more discussion. Maybe we'll see how this plays out. And finally, don't know if you were watching, for the first time ever, the Olympic Games held a moment of silence during the opening ceremony for the 11 Israeli athletes murdered during the Munich Olympics in 1972. And that's the news. Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital, the same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurances accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Herschel Finman here, You're listening to the Jewish Hour. We're going to do some music now. This is Avram Fried, and I suppose everything Avram Fried does sounds good, but this, what he did in this instance is he took a legal document, a Hebrew legal document, which is used, it's called the Tanayim, which is the, sort of like a conditional, the conditions of people getting married type of thing. It's very official, and usually it's re, it's signed and read just prior to the wedding ceremony. Nobody pays attention to it, but evidently Avram Fried made, did because he made a song called Tanayim, The Wedding Agreements.
And that was Avram Fried. That was Tanoim. It's, it's an amazing song. It really is. Uh, <laughs> that somebody could do something to that. Anyway, up next, we promise something special for the Klezmer section. We always, if I don't play something for Klezmer, then people, they say, where was the Klezmer song, Rabbi? So this is classic. This is Harry Kandel's orchestra, a recording taken from 1919. It's called the Freilicher Chassid, the happy student. Thank you. 
assurance of quality and excellence in kosher? Look for the Michigan K on the label. What's it look like? The Lower Peninsula of Michigan with a K. It's the symbol of the Michigan Kosher Supervisors. Go to their website, mycosup.com. That's M-I for Michigan, K-O for kosher, and S-U-P for supervisors, mycosup.com, and find this month's featured products. You'll find Michigan K products wherever fine food is sold, especially at Natural Food Patch on West Nine Mile Road in Ferndale. Herschel Pittman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. We have time for one more song. This artist is Adi Gabison, and the song is called L'chaim. Tell life, did he? No, it's not that. It's a different L'chaim.
And that was Addie Gavison, and that was Luchayim. Hope you liked it. Portion, while we're getting our, waiting for our guest today, which will be David May, a research analyst for the Foundation for the Defense of Democracy. We're going to be talking about the Ben and Jerry boycott of Sillian in the West Bank. And that's going to be uh, after we get done with this monologue, hopefully. But the portion of Akev can be found in the chapter 7 and following in the book of Deuteronomy. And the uh, portion continues Moshe's soliloquy on the mountain. Towards the end of the portion, the Moses, Moshe introduces the second paragraph of the Shema. This is a focal point in the prayers of every single Jew. We say it twice a day because it says in the first paragraph and the first paragraph when you're lying down and waking up, so that tells us that in the morning and in the evening, one must say the Shema. This paragraph of Ahayim Shema Tishmu talks about the importance of doing commandments. Which commandments? All the commandments. So we can ask then, well, what's, what's the need for a paragraph to remind me to do all the commandments? And not only that, but we make it a commandment to remind ourselves that we need to accept upon ourselves to do all of the commandments. It sounds like a redundancy repetition again. The... Each of each commandment has its own unique, or provides its own unique connection to the Almighty. The word mitzvah means to connect. It's a command. Yeah, we translate it as command. But when somebody commands you to do something, you've created a connection with the, with the person. And when you don't do it, so you've broken the connection to that person who's commanding. So now, Moshe is saying at this point, it's a very interesting thing. He puts it in a negative. He doesn't say, listen, you'll do this thing, and this nice thing will happen, and this nice thing will happen, and this nice thing will happen. He says, if you don't do it, then, you know, it's... So, actually, it's v'haya im shemoa. If you'll listen to the commandments, you'll get rain at this time. And then it says, but if you bow down to God, the wrong God, then God gets angry, etc., 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 so we can, we can look at this, and we can say that the word v'haya im shemoa is not the word im, is like crucial, because we've had this elsewhere in the, in the line im b'chukosai talechu, which is the word im is normally translated as if, but in certain places it could be translated as when. So here also, so Moshe, when he's telling the people when you, when you will, not if you will do, but when you will do, and when it will be that you will listen, etc. What Moshe is telling here is, is words of encouragement. We want, the, the Almighty wants to have a relationship with us. It is normal status quo for a Jew to want to have a relationship with God. 
it comes up, okay, so you can say, well, there are people who don't want a relationship with God. That's, that's not really the essence of what a Jew is. The essence of a Jew, it says, it's a great, sounds very great in Yiddish, Nitter kenen, nitter vil sein von elokos. A Jew, not he, can, not, not he wants to, nor can he be separated from God. Wherever a Jew is doing, wherever a Jew might be, whatever their philosophy is, whatever their path is, whatever their beliefs are, whether they like it or not, the Almighty says, I want a relationship with you. So now, Judaism has always been an input-output religion. What you put into it is what you're going to get out of it. So we're going to have, you are going to have a relationship with the Almighty. The question is, what kind of relationship with the Almighty are you going to have? That, the Almighty says, totally, completely up to you. Whatever works for you, the Almighty's free and easy. You know, it's just, you know, the Almighty says, you, you have your choices. You could do whatever you want. You have to live with your choices, but totally, completely up to you. You want to try to do things on your own? God says, go ahead, let me know how that, that asks, how, how, that, how that plays out. So when it is then, like it says in the second paragraph of the Shema, that we say every day, twice a day, we're reminding ourselves, and Moshe has commanded us to remind ourselves that, yes, we want to absolutely have that connection with God. So now, where are we going to go with this? What's the, what's the bottom line? Judaism is very interesting in that I believe it's the only religion. Someone can correct me and send me a letter at rabbifinman.com and say, no, 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 it's not like that, it's like this. But I believe that Judaism is the only religion that has a spectrum of correctness. It says that uh, there, there's, there's ways of, you know, like dealing with it. Like for example, it says there's a, there's a prohibition. There's no commandment that a person has to grow a beard. There's a prohibition against shaving with a razor the, the, the hair on the face. So you have some people, like myself, that I don't put anything close to near my face. My beard has been growing since 1975, and Baruch Hashem, it hasn't grown a lot. That's just the way God wanted it. But there are other people who interpreted it differently. That said, don't shave. Well, if you take a scissors and you trim it, that's not shaving. Then there are other people who say, oh, a razor. Well, an electric razor or a depilatory isn't count as like this razor thing, which is a sharp blade that scratches the beard, the hair off your face. So the question then comes is, well, which one's right? The answer is, in Judaism, we say, they're all right. I chose... To, that my relationship with Hashem in observing the prohibition of not shaving is that I don't touch the, the hair on the bottom of my face. Other people would like to interpret it differently, and that's 100% okay. 
Am I more religious than another? No, not at all. This person is observing within the parameters, and as long as the person stays within the parameters, they get an A+. And that's, that's then is up to and totally completely to the person who who's, wants to have this relationship with God. We are going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. Don't go away. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the -the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurance is accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Okay. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. We have online David May, who's a research analyst at the Foundation of the Defense of Democracies. And we're talking about the recent decision of Ben and Jerry's to boycott having business dealings with the West Bank or the Judea and Samaria occupied territories, whatever you would call it. How are you today, David? Uh, I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank God. Okay. So, first thing I want to know is, what is the Foundation for the Defense of Democracies, and why do they care about Ben and Jerry's? Sure. So, we're a nonpartisan think tank based in Washington, D.C. We focus on foreign and defense policy. Uh, our uh, interest in Ben and Jerry's is because this is uh, it's part of a, a larger, uh, I guess, a, a larger picture of economic warfare. There's... Uh, you know, these uh, activists that have convinced Ben and Jerry to divest or to leave the West Bank, they're, uh, they're part of a campaign of economic warfare being waged against the state of Israel. Okay, we apologize to Mr. May. He's having, uh, he's, in a, he's stuck in an airplane, believe it or not, as we're interviewing him. But as we say, the show must go on. Okay, so what led up to Ben and Jerry's? deciding that they were not going to or go no, no longer going to sell or participate in a boycott of the West Bank estimate. Sure. So the uh, I guess the immediate uh, preceding event was the, the Gaza war between Israel and Hamas in May. Uh, during the middle of the war, uh, Ben and Jerry's they released uh, a, uh, an advertisement for mint chocolate ice cream. And uh, it received a flurry of, uh, of negative feedback from uh, different activists calling to boycott Israel, so on and so forth. Their board actually is led by uh, an anti-Israel activist who uh, she has on numerous occasions called for boycotting Israel. Uh, and so they actually took a two-month hiatus from social media to decide what they're going to do. And ultimately, the board decided that they would boycott Israel. Okay. So now, 
this story didn't get any play whatsoever in the mainstream media, but it blew up in all the Jewish media. It's like the only thing people have been talking about for like a week is about this story. So is this uh, an important thing? The news didn't pick it up. Sure. Uh, so I, maybe I'm just uh, focused on it. So, you know, on, on my channels, it's been uh, blowing up as well. Uh, I guess the uh, the big thing is is uh, it's not about Ben and Jerry's. This is about setting a precedent. Uh, different companies that might consider boycotting Israel, uh, and if they don't get pushback, then other com- other companies will determine that there's no uh, negative ramifications for their decision to boycott Israel. But I think one one thing that we've been seeing uh, from several states is this looks to be a repeat of uh, of the Airbnb situation where they came up with uh, a decision to boycott Israel and they were met with instantaneous and uh, very fierce backlash. Okay, you actually you segued right into my next question. Is Airbnb did try a boycott of not listing uh, properties in the West Bank, and the boycott lasted, I don't know, a minute, minute and a half, and the Duda, they just said, okay, well, we will. So what was the difference there to what's going on now, Mr. David May? Sure. Um, so I guess the big difference, uh, I mean, we're, this is just the, uh, we have the benefit of, uh, of uh, hindsight. It's very similar to what happened uh, with Airbnb. Airbnb made this decision. They got a lot of pushback. But another big element of what convinced Airbnb to uh, undo their decision was the, uh, a lot of the lawsuits, the anti-discrimination lawsuits that were filed against them in numerous states in the U.S. and also in Israel. Okay, something about not staying where you want to. We have this thing about fair housing, which is a different than, than selling stuff. If you're joining us just now, our guest today is Mr. David May. He's a research analyst for the Foundation for the Defense of Democracies. We are talking about the boycott by Ben and Jerry's of the West Bank of Israel. Um, so the, the, the boycott is not of, of all of Israel, right? It's just the what's referred to as the West Bank's Judea Samaritan, the occupied territories, etc. So what's, what's uh, it, when usually people lump it all together, especially when they're talking about BDS, BDS is the entire Israel. Sure. I mean, so BDS's ultimate aim is to destroy Israel, and a lot of these settlement-only boycotts, they're seen uh, as a kind of, as, a, as an in-between. However, ultimately they're, Still trying to. What are you looking for? Uh, so you already you already stepped off. I'm on the air. Um, anyway, sorry. Um, ultimately, it's, it's a step towards BDS. BDS's ultimate aim is to destroy Israel. So some people, some companies might determine that uh, this is an in-between step, and it wouldn't meet uh, the criteria of boycotting Israel, but it still is. Okay. So. Um, oh, where is that? Okay, you're, this is really cool. I've never actually interviewed anybody who was stuck in an airplane before, but <laughs> it'd be better if you weren't near a two-year-old. But anyway, so the uh, so Israel, um, what's what's been the reaction first of all from Israel before we get to the grand picture? 
So the uh, the reaction has been pretty pretty fierce. Uh, it's it's reached the level of the you know the prime minister and uh, the ministerial level. They've been dealing with this. Uh, they called the the CEO of Unilever actually trying to uh, trying. To, uh, they 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 called the the. the CEO of Unilever uh, to undo the decision, uh, and actually in Israel it's kind of ironic that it's the opposite situation where, whereas a lot of the communities in the United States and abroad are calling to boycott uh, Ben and Jerry's, uh, in Israel they're actually calling to buy Ben and Jerry's because the Israeli licensee is the one who's getting attacked here, and he's the one who's going to be losing his uh, license in about a year and a half. Okay. Do you know anything about the infrastructure of Ben and Jerry's in Israel, Mr. May? How many people does it employ? Uh, not, uh, so I'm not sure about the uh, the uh, Ben and Jerry's in, in general, but the distributor that uh, distributes it to the West Bank, he has uh, declared that he, if they continue with their decision, he's going to have to let go uh, about 10 Palestinian workers. Okay, so it means that this this so this, it always seems to impress me that the BDS movement is really something that bites itself right in the own right in its own face. Never mind, bites itself in the butt. Just bites itself right on the nose. Here it is. They wanted to boy. They wanted to. Uh, they want to boycott. And yet, Palestinians who they're trying to be in favor of are losing their jobs. And if they're selling in the West Bank, I'm assuming that not only are they selling in Carniel, but they're also selling in Ramallah. Would that be correct? Yeah, so I'm not 100% sure on exactly the the nature of how it gets sold in Ramallah, if it's through the Israeli distributor or possibly through uh, a separate arrangement that they have. Okay, but in, in the long term or even in the short term, the Palestinians are going to be hurt by this this boycott. Would that be a safe assumption? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a blunt tool. It, it, it's not making a distinction. Uh, it's just taking away... As far as the the current uh, wording of the uh, of their of the Ben and Jerry's decision, it's going to completely take away all of the uh, all of the ice cream, all of the Ben and Jerry's from the West Bank. Okay. Our guest today again is David May. He's a research analyst for the Foundation of the Defense of Democracies, and we're talking about the boycott of Ben and Jerry's of the West Bank. And Mr. May, unfortunately, is stuck on a plane. And hence the background noise, but we're trying to work through it. And uh, even though there is, of course, every plane has a two-year-old. So, so now, so Ben and Jerry's is very unique, is because Ben and Jerry's is no longer owned by Ben and Jerry. They, a long time ago, sold it to Unilever. Which, as soon as I thought Unilever, I said, "Oh, shampoo!" Of course, that's what Unilever does. And this is this has got to affect the parent corporation, and how is it that Ben & Jerry's can do something against the people who actually own it? Right. So they, um, you know, Ben & Jerry's is known for their social activism, so uh, they've spoken out on a few issues, uh, mainly in uh, U.S. domestic politics, but they, uh, when they sold to Unilever in 2000, they had this clause saying that they would still be able to maintain some type of autonomy in terms of their social mission, in terms of uh, advertising. Uh, but uh, according to the, uh, the documents that I saw recently, uh, still Unilever ultimately is the shot caller. But if they do decide to uh, violate the terms 
of the allowing the Ben and Jerry's board to control the social mission, then uh, they just have to up the royalty from 5% to 8% that they pay to Ben and Jerry's. Oh, that's a, yes, that's a very interesting arrangement. So I got, there's a whole bunch of countries that uh, to, uh, come out of this now. So as Ben and Jerry's, do they sell in places like China and Cuba, Myanmar, or any other place where human rights violations are the norm? Uh, so they have a few places where they sell that, that might be uh, considered that. Uh, but the bigger uh, issue when it comes to Unilever is the fact that Unilever is a you know, multinational global entity. They source their products in many different areas. And one of the places that they source their, uh, they've been uh, kind of dinged for is for getting uh, tomato products from Xinjiang, the uh, area in China that is where the Uyghurs live. And, and uh, I believe the U.S. has stated that the uh, sourcing of those tomato products amounts to slavery. Okay, understood. So now, but the, I'm going back to the, the board of uh, Ben & Jerry's. They specifically pinpointed the, uh, the West Bank when there's a whole lot bigger fish to fry that they could say, you know, we're not going to sell any more in China. We're not going to sell any more in and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The, generally, BDS, from the Jewish standpoint, is looked at as just blatant, not even latent, but blatant anti-Semitism. Would that be correct in this case, Mr. David May? So the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance, they have their uh, working definition of anti-Semitism, and one of the examples that they give is using double standards, judging Israel by a standard uh, that you don't judge the rest of the countries in the world by. And it, it seems to meet, meet the standard because uh, whereas they've reached, they've, they've put out their statement on the West Bank and uh, what they call the occupied Palestinian territories, they haven't made any type of uh, statements or pronouncements on pretty much any other uh, international dispute or uh, any international human rights issues. They've focused it entirely on this one. So when you're only calling out Israel for uh, a territorial dispute uh, and not mentioning anything else, in fact, we just saw this week uh, the uh, Turkey and northern Cyprus taking areas from what was the demilitarized zone in Cyprus, in between, and uh, northern Cyprus is being occupied by Turkey, uh, and there's been no pronouncement. So this is uh, part of a larger picture of uh, one territorial dispute getting uh, attention above all others. Right, understood. Okay, so now, there is an anti-BDS movement in America. There are, to date, and we report, we report on the Jewish Hour every time another state gets on board, Currently, there are 33 states that have anti-BDS legislation that reigns in things from we won't do we won't hack into into contractual agreements with any company that supports BDS. We will divest our portfolios of any stock of any company that is, implores BDS. So, what's going on now around the, the country, Mr. David May? Sure. So you, as you said, there's about 33 states with uh, different anti-BDS measures. Twelve of those have anti-investment uh, uh, measures. So they uh, forbid their state, their public state pensions from uh, investing in companies that they deem to be engaged in BDS. And uh, several of the others are about procurement that they wouldn't be able to buy from companies that are engaged in BDS. So currently four states have taken action so far. There was a letter 
from the uh, conference of presidents of major Jewish organizations uh, to urge the their governors to take action. Four states have already begun investigations, uh, and there's uh, several other uh, local level uh, investigations going in, uh, local boycotts that are being being enacted. So uh, it seems that whoever decided to make this uh, divestment call uh, on the Ben and Jerry side, either they uh, didn't anticipate the, the level of pushback that they would get, or they proceeded and just determined that uh, for whatever reason, they thought it would outweigh the, the losses that they would take from continuing to sell to Jews in the West Bank. Okay, very interesting. So what do you think, well, given like the precedent that with uh, Airbnb, for example, that their boycott, I don't remember how long their boycott lasted, but that's exactly why, is because it didn't last very long due to outside pressure. What do you think is going to be the, the, uh, the prognosis then, doctor, of the Ben and Jerry's boycott? Yeah, so I mean, Airbnb, uh, they, they were approached by activists who presented a very one-sided picture of the issue, and Airbnb likely did not foresee at all the, the backlash that they would face. Uh, it seems that uh, th in this case, a lot of the action actually came from within Ben & Jerry's when you have the uh, president of their board being a hardened uh, anti-Israel activist and also the outgoing president, he himself had traveled to the West Bank on an activist tour and has made other pronouncements calling for ending USA to Israel. So this seems to come have a little more, uh, I guess, internal push. Uh, so it might not be, uh, they might not be as willing to completely backtrack because this is coming from within. But I think a lot of the pressure is going to come on Ben and Jerry's from Unilever because Unilever ultimately is the responsible entity here and they have global sales that they are concerned about and they're less concerned about uh, putting their claim in, in, in a dispute between Israel and the Palestinians. Okay, that's going to do it. Mr. Uh, David May, I want to thank you so much. Again, our, our guest today was David May. He's a research analyst for the Foundation for the Defense of Democracies, and I hope you continue to defend democracies and wish you all the best in all of your travels, wherever they may be. Uh, thank you very much, and thank you for bearing with me. Okay. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. We all know there's an opiate epidemic, but Advanced Rapid Detox has a solution for people addicted to pain pills, heroin, and dependent on Suboxone and Methadone. Advanced Rapid Detox performs detox under sedation in the hospital. Patients sleep through withdrawals and wake up without cravings. Dr. Julia Aronoff and the staff at Advanced Rapid Detox help people restore their lives and the lives of their families. Addiction affects everyone, even in the Jewish community, and Advanced Rapid Detox is there to help. Call 800-603-1813. That's 800-603-1813. Or visit them online at www.advancedrapiddetox.com. Hi, this is Spex Howard. The Spex Howard School of Media Arts is proud to have been a sponsor of the Jewish Hour and bring quality radio programming to the community. While much of the funding comes from its sponsors, listeners like you help keep the Jewish Hour on the air. Please send your tax-deductible donation to the Jewish Hour, 1725 Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, 48220. 
That's 1725 Pinecrest Tribe, Ferndale, Michigan, 48220. Your help is greatly appreciated. Thank you very much. Herschel Finnett here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Want to get in touch with me? Go to my website, rabbifinman.com, R-A-B-B-I-F-I-N-M-A-N.com. And there, right on the homepage, it bothers the heck of me. When we go to, like, <laughs> even, I, mean, I wasn't going to say anything to him, but the uh, Foundation for the Defense of Democracies, I had to go to four different pages before I got to the defense, before I got to the contact page. It's like, if you don't want me to talk to you. You're an organization that's reaching out in public opinion. Okay, their business. But on RabbiFinman.com and also on JewishFrindel.com, the contact is right there at the top of the page. You don't even have to look. So you got something you want to make a comment, a question, a query, a, a criticism, whatever it is that you have, send it off to RabbiFinman.com. What else is on RabbiFinman.com? We have archived editions of the radio show. You can go back and listen. I think it's four and a half years worth of shows. It's a wonderful thing. There's also other ways in which uh, I present Judaism in an entertaining and educational way and through various other media. There's also the donations page, which this month has already been paid for, so we don't have to talk about too much of that. You can go there and make a donation if you like. Check out RabbiFinman.com. The story involves a disciple of the Baal Shem Tov. He was a logging merchant, which was one of those things that Jews did. They What they do it is they would put in for bids to the various landowners through these great massive forests through Central Europe. And uh, the way that they would do it is, is they would wait actually till the fall and winter. And during the fall and winter when there were no leaves that they had to deal with, they would fell the trees and strip the branches and then take these massive logs and slide them down or float them down the river, as the case may be, if it was still earlier enough, to, to mark it down at the, bottom of the, at the bottom of the river, which was usually at the bottom of the river, was some massive city where they dealt in the, uh, with, they dealt with the, the products of wood. So this logging merchant, whose name I do not know, had a son who was of marriageable age. And something very unusual happened. Whenever he would be introduced to a potential match, he would faint. And this went on for like a long time. This is like, they took him to doctors. What do they know? Doctors were talking in the 1750s. What do you know from doctors already? They had leeches, you know, put a, put a leech on it, see if that doesn't make him faint. Yeah. They went to the Baal Shem Tov. The father went to the Baal Shem Tov and said, Baruch Hashem, he has, his business is doing well. His family is in good health. It's just this one problem. He can't get his son married because every time he gets introduced to a girl, he faints. The Baal Shem Tov just looked at him and smiled and said, the one to whom he's supposed to marry, he will not faint. Keep looking. And that was that. So it happened one year that they, they got a good jump on the logging. And the the logging uh, business, they got all the stuff into the river. And then before they got the stuff down to the end of the river, it all froze. And he lost his, he lost a lot of money because he couldn't get it to market. 
So he went to the Baal Shem Tov and said, what should I do? I lost all this money. Baal Shem Tov said he should go around begging. So the Rebbe said that's what he did. It's not what he wanted to do. He was a businessman. So he went around begging. And he would knock on doors, and he would, at the end of the day, what would he do? He would go to the, the study hall, the synagogue, and he would sit and he would learn. He was a disciple of the Baal Shem Tov. He was a scholar. He, somebody saw him sitting in a certain town, like in the edge of Poland someplace, saw him sitting and learning, and saw that he had come and knocked on his door before and had asked for money, and he gave, the guy gave him money. And he said to him, how much do you usually make in the course of a day? So he said, I make a ruble and a half, two rubles, that's what I make. So he said, listen, I'll pay you two and a half rubles if you'll come and sit in my house and learn all day. The guy said, hey, thanks, that's terrific. So he sat and he was learning with the, the he's learning there and it's going by, I don't know how long he went for. This... Um, landowner, I guess we could say, this Balabas, had a daughter of marriageable age, and something very unusual happened, that whenever she would be introduced to a young man, proposed match, he would uh, faint. She would faint. So he thought this was very unusual, and he thought maybe something up of this, and he suggested to this person that he and his wife and his daughter should travel to the Baal Shem Tov to seek his advice. Now, he, this landowner was not a, he was not a disciple. He didn't know from it. It's Poland. It's like the far end. It's Hasidic. He didn't. Finally, with enough, you know, if you uh, say things loud enough and long enough, he finally said, okay, fine. I will travel to Mezhibuz, which is in Ukraine. It's a, not, it wasn't a quick ride. The three of them together. In the meantime, this uh, disciple traveled to Mezhibuj first, and told him what was up. And the Baal Shem Tov told him that he and his wife and his son should come to Mezhibuj. When this man came, arrived with his daughter, so he asked, uh, how did you make your money? So he said it was a very unusual thing. He was not very well-to-do. But suddenly, all of this lumber, these logs, just happened to fall like on his property, when the thaw came, and he sold it for a great profit, now he has money. So he called in the man and uh, his son, who was standing there with his landowner and his daughter, and the Baal Shem Tov said, I want to introduce you, young man, to this young woman as a potential mate. And they took a look at each other, and they didn't faint. The Baal Shem Tov said, the wood which you have as part of your possession actually belonged to this man. But it's customary to provide a dowry, so you will provide a uh, form of livelihood for your future son-in-law, and you'll all live happily ever after. That's going to do it for the show. We hope we had a chance to entertain you a bit. We hope you had a chance to educate you just a bit. I strongly encourage every Jew to stop eating Ben and Jerry's ice cream. It goes along with my boycott way back when, when I had somebody on who uh, suggested that they boycott uh, 
Burger King because of their business in the West Bank, and I really got on the horn and said, yes, no Jew should eat Burger King, and it's for the same reason. We hope you have a great week. We hope to see you back again next week. Take care. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.